Let's talk books. With the library manager at Mount Roskill Grammar School and favourite of afternoons, Catherine Ross. Hello. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Good, thank you. You've been talking about children's and young adult books for a couple of years on our show now, and I don't think you've done a science fiction theme before. No, no, I haven't. Um, and I think I've probably stayed away from this one because it is a theme that I know a lot of people are put off by. Um, and to be honest, it's the genre that, that I tend to stay away from. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that um, the... Um, I think... That, the, that with any genre, if the author is talented, it doesn't actually become about the setting. It becomes about the human connection, about the relationship. Um, and I think that, with, particularly with science fiction, it tends to be humans at the very limit of endurance, mm-hmm. which can make it quite interesting and engaging. So, um, I mean, science fiction does also include time travel, the alternative reality, that sort of thing. Um, but I've chosen this one just to focus on space and aliens and things like that. And we'll leave the rest for another day. Okay, sounds good. So for kids 10 plus, we'll start with the kid who came from space. Yeah, so this is Ross Welford, one of my favourite, favourite middle grade authors. Really, really clever, funny, wacky stories. Uh, this one is about 12-year-old Tammy, and she disappears on Christmas Eve and leaves her twin brother Ethan you know, absolutely desperate, not knowing how to help, what to do. So he and his best friend Iggy are out searching for clues a few days later when they come across an alien, um, as you do, Mm. who has crash-landed in her uh, spaceship, which is closed so no one else can see it, in their local reservoir. And she tells them that Tammy has actually been kidnapped by aliens from her planet, taken back to her planet, um, to be part of an exhibition in a human zoo. Um, so, and obviously then Iggy and Ethan are about to start this incredible adventure. I missed that word. An exhibition in a human what? In a human zoo. Okay, yep, got it. So, yeah, like um, animal zoo. So, obviously then Ethan and, and Iggy are off on an adventure to try and rescue her. So, um, it's wacky, it's fun, it's all the Ross Welford things. But there's also this kind of very serious message hidden through it about the rights and um, life of other species and how it would feel to be removed from your home and your family mm-hmm. and sort of for other people's entertainment and interest. Um, and so, yes, yeah, it's, it's very clever. Um, it, it makes you think a little bit. Good recommendation. Thank you. The kid who came from space for children a little older, 12 plus. Yep, so this one's called Illumini, and it's book one of the Illumini uh, series, the Illumini Files series, which is a trilogy. And it, this one is particularly good for reluctant readers because it's written in a kind of mix of emails and transmissions and reports and the sort of little bits and pieces. So it's not it, it's really good for young people who struggle to sit down and mm-hmm. read chapter by chapter. This is really punchy and um, cleverly done. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, it's a good one for, for adults, you know, for young adults who are struggling with reading novels. Um, so this one's set in uh, 2575, and it follows a girl called Katie and her ex-boyfriend. Um, and they're traveling on a fleet of spaceships who are fleeing an attack on their home planet. Um, the two are there on separate ships. Katie's also been separated from her mother. And so it's just the focus of everybody trying to survive and get away but things get worse and worse. There are suddenly mysterious chemical attacks on some of the ships. The AI system is going a bit haywire, as they, they tend to do in these stories. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> What's going on? Everything okay? Yep, yep. No, no, it's all good. It's just the end of lunch. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, so this is very, very conspiracy-heavy, this story. It's very much big business and power and politics and all that sort of thing, but set in space. 
But I think it's very clever. It's engaging enough and with a lot of twists and interest um, that it, it, that sort of keeps you it keeps you hooked. And it's got a lovely big twist at the end that I didn't see coming. But I'm famous for not seeing things. <laughs> it's a good way to be. And and that's yeah. book one of a series. Uh, yeah. And presumably yeah. there are more to follow if people enjoy yeah, that one. It's, it's a trilogy, so it's nice. The other thing is that's quite nice. Illumini, yeah, is the name of that book by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, and then these Broken Stars, also by Amy Kaufman. Yes, yeah, so Amy, I only I read these books quite far apart, and I only realised when I came to sit down and look at this theme and, and choose some books that they were actually written by the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, so she obviously likes writing with a partner. This is a different partner um, this time. So um, she clearly likes science fiction. She's very good at it. She also likes conspiracy themes. This is another science-y, basic conspiracy one. So there are also lots of different tropes running through this book. So I suspect that the author's um, kind of uh, um, point here was to try and sort of, there's something for everyone. (laughs) I get that feeling. So we've got our protagonists um, who are called Tava and Lilac. So, yuck, I know, I know, it's awful, but you just kind of have to get past that and get on with it. Um, So they're both travelling on board a luxury space liner. So think, you know, very luxurious cruise ship, but in space. Um, Lilac is the wealthy uh, and very pampered, carefully guarded daughter of the richest man in the universe, not just the world. Um, And Tava is a lonely soldier. So you've already got that kind of, in this case, princess and the pauper theme coming in. Um, The ship crashes despite all its safety measures so that's suspicious and they are the only two survivors so um, it's not quite as coincidental as it sounds she does give a plausible reason for why they survived and they survived together Um, and so they have to survive on this alien planet until help comes Um, however despite this being the biggest and grandest space liner in the world and the boss's daughter on board help doesn't seem to be coming so is there more to the crash of course there is is there more <laughs> to the planet of course there is <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't be a very good story so yeah it's, good one. it's got a little bit of romance in it as well which is quite nice all right these broken stars and then some suggestions for older kids kind of 13 plus yeah so the only reason i put this one as a slightly older age group is not because of the writing but because of the story i think it's a very complex deep story and I think younger readers will struggle to see the subtleties in the story so probably just for a little bit older Um, so this is best in the world again where humanity has started deep space exploration and as is completely typical of the human race exploitation as well Um, so they're often mining the world Um, so it's about a 14 year old girl called Tamara she lives on a star freighter which is attacked by an alien race that has been at war with the humans basically since they started the space exploration. Um, they normally don't meet anybody alive, um, but for some reason they uh, allowed Tamara to live and brought her into their ship as a hostage. Um, and so she is, uh, you know, having to, to, she's in this situation. And I think, I mean, I really struggled with the aliens in this story. Um, it's maybe that's why I'm not usually drawn towards science fiction. I maybe lack the imagination. <laughs> you and me both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, and these were particularly they're sort of they called the crow people, and they looked like crows. Um, so I really struggled with the concept. But um, the author has has a motive here. So she's made them so entirely different from the human race. You know, they don't even have the anatomy to be able to emulate human speech and to communicate. So. There's never been any negotiation or understanding between the two races. 
until you have somebody actually in, absorbed into their community and making the effort to learn about them and to learn about their ways. And then Tamara quickly realises there's a reason why they're attacking human ships. Um, and so she becomes always this very, very important bridge between the two races to try and stop them from annihilating each other. So, yeah, there's no romance, there's no conspiracy theories, and there's also definitely no cute aliens, um, but a very important message, I felt. Thank you. Flight of the Fantail, recognise this one from Steph Matuku, another New Zealand author. Yes. Now, this one I absolutely loved. I really enjoyed it, but I know that a lot of my colleagues, librarians and teachers, um, really struggled with it, and I don't know why. Um, So it's set in modern-day Aotearoa, a group of high school students who are very recognisable, you know, very, um, you know, very typical Kiwi characters, um, are involved in a bus crash on the way to a school camp. And they crash in a very a remote area of New Zealand bush. And it's this area where strange things happen. The locals know to stay away and not go there. And all electrical equipment goes a bit haywire, so phones, compasses, all of that kind of thing. Um, and so there's not that many survivors from the crash, uh, but those that do survive very quickly work out that there's actually a far bigger threat than trying to find food and shelter until they're rescued. Um, than because something is messing with their minds and making them see and hear things and think things um, that aren't necessarily there. So, yeah, so we sort of got to get to the bottom of that and get them all to survive and get to the end. Um, and, yeah, I just thought it, it was really engaging. It was really clever. Um, it's definitely one for slightly older young adults because it does deal with or hints at um, some quite dark themes that, you know, surrounding survival stories. Um, and hallucinations and things like that. But I do think it's very cleverly told, and I, I just found it very engaging. And it's nice to have recognisable characters and settings as well. Good one. And one more for us today, Navero by Gina Cole. Yes, yeah, so Gina, this is, um, she's a New Zealander. She is, this is her first novel. She has published a book of short stories, um, and it's really fascinating. So it's set 200 years in the future, uh, where rising sea levels have basically swamped all the Pacific and the um, archipelagos and islands, um, islands of the Pacific. Um, and there have been massive wars over fresh water, which have turned the city of Tamaki Makaua into a broken, smoking, kind of desolate warscape. Um, and so our teenage protagonist has been brought up on these sort of huts on floating pontoons that are anchored to um, the land of Namu Island, which is now totally submerged below sea level. And she has, she is this amazing navigator and understands ocean currents and can read the weather and the stars and the sea. Um, and so she wants to stay on Earth. She wants to, you know, um, navigate the seas. But the rest of the, the human race is sort of looking to the to the sky, to the star, to space. And they have started a space exploration. Um, and so her sister and her mother are, are um, on these missions, but her sister goes missing. And so Tia, who's this fantastic navigator, ends up having to go to space to try and find her sister. So it's a really interesting book because I will say to start with, it's got some really, really nasty cover art, which is a bit off-putting. So that's a real shame, and I think they do need to look at that. Mm. Um, But to be honest, it's it's rare these days to find a really unique story, and I I truly think this is one. Um, She has kind of brought together... Um, Māori and Pacifica traditions, waka building and oceanic navigation and, and 
traditional cultures um, in a futuristic space story, which is just nuts when you think about it. it. You just wouldn't think it's a natural combination, but it's actually a really nice fit. She's done it very well. Um, there's there's a lot of lot of uses today, um, peppered throughout, but without it's very natural and understandable. We don't need footnotes or anything. Um, little little things like um, the the Kamatua recite a karakia before the spaceship leaves. A lot of the uh, the images she uses from the Pacific and the ocean currents and things that that Thea recognises in space. So yeah, really different, really interesting, and nice to have that connection. I will say that it is very obvious that it's her first novel. It's a little bit clunky. Um, some of the technology she's using to try and make it more futuristic is just not necessary and a bit, it's a bit confusing, um, you know. Okay. She's, she's coming into her own, and it's, a, it, it's just because it's so different and it's so lovely to read that kind of story um, out, of, out of the usual context that um, I, I would recommend it. Yeah, and great opportunity to support a local author as well who's obviously got plenty more books in front of her. Thank you, Catherine Ross. Great to talk to you. A huge re- list of recommendations, as always, from you. And I uh, hope uh, people out there have taken some notes. If not, uh, they can find them on our website. Thanks, Catherine. No problem at all. Thanks very much, Jesse. Catherine Ross, Library Manager at Mount Ross School Grammar School.